All right, so you got it. We're on the uh, goofy-shaped excommunication one. And so, yeah, talking about how you get rid of members. Um, unfortunately, just like dropping off the radar and we don't know what happened to you is not an option. So um, we should probably use these more than we do. Um, farewell and Godspeed is wonderful. So again, when you're moving, tell us, and then we'll we'll take care of that. And it's like a joyful thing to do, you know. Even though you may be sad because people are leaving, like that's fine too. So. Well, that's, yeah, good question. Are they there for the excommunication? Um, It kind of assumes that they're not here, right? And if they are here, I guess you'd want to know, like, why are they still here? If you, you, because you've, you've spent a lot of time getting to this point where excommunication is necessary. Um... It's not something you just rush into. You actually take your time with it and you you follow all the steps and not only to follow all the steps because you want to gain your brother back and you want to you want to restore something that's been been damaged and, and lost and you want to get yeah, you want your brothers and sisters back. So and that's the whole point to this thing, right? And so so I also, it's also interesting, it's not a private thing, too, okay? So we talked about the minor ban a little bit last week. There may be occasions when there's people in church who, for one reason or the other, should not receive communion. That would be bad for them. So you put them on something called the minor ban. You don't need to, like, pronounce that before everyone. Um, but then this thing is serious. And... Because what you're saying when you excommunicate someone is that this person is no longer a member of the Christian church at all. They have completely turned away and forsaken their baptism. They are not interested in forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration at all. Okay? So. Again, I've never seen one. Have you seen one ever? Have you seen one? Yeah. Well, that's kind of, and it's kind of interesting because you don't, you shouldn't really notice if someone's on the minor ban. Like, that's not really for everyone, you know. Um, but yeah, this though is. But you know that they don't go for Sure. Yeah. But that would, and that would be a good thing that they didn't just leave too, you know, that they didn't just go across the street. Or go down to some other church. So I think that one of the reasons why we don't see excommunications in the minor band really anymore is because people just go somewhere else. It's easy to do that. And since no church has like a surplus of members these days, everyone's like, well, yeah, you can come in here. And uh, that mean old pastor over there, you know? So... 
you should know that we do all talk to each other, at least in our circle. And um, if if you if people come here from other churches too, I'll inquire with those pastors as well. So, um, but yeah, you want to you want to know what people are bringing when they come to your church and where they've been. And this is, again, this is the purpose of these ancient letters that you would, one bishop would write to another one and say, like, hey, this is awesome. Um, you want to receive this guy. He'll be on your lawn mowing committee, you know? So. Yes. Well, yes, children can do it, but then they actually have to do it. Yeah. Um, that's a good idea. The junior snow shovelers. Well, we should also have that with like the altar guild and stuff too. The apprentice altar guild. So you got to raise up the next people and not just hog it all to yourself. Um, now, again, the, the wonderful thing about excommunication is that this takes place immediately before the confession absolution. And so... What we're saying by that is like uh, we want to give we want to make give you a chance to make this right immediately. You don't have to like wait around. Um, if you're here and we excommunicate you, the first thing we do is then confession absolution. What would you like to take part in that? And and if the answer is no, then again I don't really know what you're doing here, but um, yeah, I I can only think that this would be a very painful thing to do. But also, very, I think it would be very obvious when you get to that point, too. You're saying, well, this person just is not. They're not, they're not a Christian. That's what you're saying here. So it's not even this person is a different kind of Christian or something. It's like, this person is out of the church. So in some way, it's something that you almost do to yourself. So... Um, Self-exclusion, I think, is like what our Constitution probably says. But so, um, this one does have a note, a commentary that's almost as long as the right itself, and probably because it is such a sensitive thing. Uh, and we do want to make people see that. We want to help people see, I guess, that it is an entirely biblical thing. Um, yeah, you don't come here just to feel good or be entertained. All those things may happen if the organist plays the right preludes. Would you... <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yes, it has to be just right. <laughs> and if it's not, then I am not, I don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. All right, the commentary on excommunication. The use of the binding key, or excommunication, is based on the word of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good place to start. If you're going to do something, you should have it based on the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what it is in the church. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So when they have, they have three citations for that. Like, 
that's pretty good. You can, you can pin a lot on that. And it's interesting, Jesus actually gives this gift multiple times too, doesn't he? Um, you can't misinterpret that really. So, uh, The motivation of excommunication is love. It is not loving for us to let people run around in their obstinate and unrepentant sin. It's just not loving. It's not good for you. That's the thing about sin. At the end of the day, it's just not good for you. It's bad for you. It's bad for the community. It's bad for everyone. Like, don't do it. So, it destroys... Well, you know, what's the problem with the the break-in this week? So this is a sin, obviously, right? Well, because now we got to, like, fix this window. And... That's, you know, however many hundred dollars that we got to spend on repairing a window from some dude who is in need, but, like, should have just asked us, and then we probably would have, like, I don't know. Well, I don't know what I would have done, but it does make you kind of want to refocus and say, like, well, we should actually make sure that we have the capacity to help people so that they know they don't have to break our windows. They can just, like, call and leave a message on the machine, and then we'll, like, you know... Help them out with whatever they need. I don't know what they need. So, it's, um, yeah, it's all, all done out of love. But yeah, the, the, the bad part of breaking the window is that, like, also, I don't know, there, was, there were no blood trails, you know. There was no blood trail to follow. But I don't know how that guy didn't just, like, slice his arms open. And he, like pulled out all the glass and then had to like slide over it i mean this is bad when you like <laughs> when you when you break into the building and then like try and steal stuff it's, it's not gonna work out well for you and and then you know we found him and it's like hopefully the guy is like oh okay well those people are friendly there they do love me um they did take that thing back from me, and I don't know. You know, hopefully he learned a little bit. But we do things. We do these things out of love, so not out of revenge or hatred or anything like that. And that's the problem too. People think that excommunication is something that we do that's mean because we don't like people. Um, I would say like you don't have to like one another in the church, but you do have to love one another. So you guys don't have to be friends with each other. That's fine. Um, what we have here is more than what friendship is normally based on. Well, who are you friends with? How do you make friends? Yeah, people basically who look like me and do the same things that I do. I think about like friends that we have. They basically are like uh, middle-aged white men with families and children about the same age as mine, you know, who maybe go to the same school. Like, okay, well. But, like, the way that we have the church so is based on something else, and it's based on something bigger and deeper than that, more enduring than, than your taste in the same kind of, you know, music that will no one will care about in ten years or whatever, so... Uh, so yeah, we do it out of love. Um, 
Its purpose is the salvation of a brother or sister. The congregation, together with her pastor, earnestly desires and works toward winning the brother or sister and attempts to lead him or her to repentance so that there may be much joy in heaven. Again, there's like multiple citations for all these things. If the brother or sister will not repent, then the church treats them treats that person as a Gentile and a tax collector. Sometimes they might be Gentile tax collectors. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have had Gentile tax collectors in my... I don't know if we have any here, but I have had them before. Uh... This means that the church excludes the unrepentant brother or sister from the Lord's Supper and other privileges of the church. So you can't be on the church council if you're excommunicated. Right? And that's, that's also not how we're going like, to bring people in and keep them here. Right? Uh, so I guess that also means you can't have your funeral or wedding here too. However, the Christian community still speaks God's word in love to him or her and encourages the person to hear God's word in the corporate worship of the congregation. We still want them to be here and hear the word with us. You can't have the Lord's Supper. That would be bad for you. I mean, the Lord's Supper is something that, at least according to St. Paul, like, uh, some people have taken this unworthily and died. Um, I'm convinced that I have seen this for real. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen it, talked to anyone else who has seen it, but... Sorry, what? I was looking at what you uh, When Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians, about people dying because they took the Lord's Supper wrongly. You have seen it? Yeah, just once. This is a bird. I think. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a serious thing, though, but we still want you to be here. Uh, excommunication is to be exercised with great care and only after repeated attempts to win the brother or sister have failed. Right. So, uh, we sent you a letter and you didn't respond to it. Doesn't count. Um, you gotta, like... You gotta try really hard to get these people. And why on earth will you try really hard to get them back? Because that's my brother and sister, and because I love them, right? And I will, I will try really, really hard. I want them back. The Lutheran confessions state that excommunication is pronounced on the openly wicked and on those who despise the sacraments. So remember, last last week we went through that. Well, you don't remember because you don't remember. Uh, but I went through this big long list of people that have been excommunicated in the church. And so when it starts off in the church, you have all these heretics who get excommunicated. And you're like, yeah, right. That's, uh, that's actually what you're supposed to be doing with this. But then sometime in like the Middle Ages, it morphs around excommunicating people who are just like kind of out of order. And it becomes a political tool. So, um, 
Yeah, like they're excommunicating these like kings because they insist on ordaining their own bishops and things like that. And you're like, well, that's not. It might not be good, but like that doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Um, you just want to wanting to pick your own pastor does not mean that you aren't a Christian. Um, on the other hand, like slaughtering an entire village of innocent Thessalonians, that that. That is bad. Like you should be excommunicated for that sort of thing. So. So if you went to someone who, you know, have you haven't seen a church for four years or something, and then you went to them, and then you got others to go yeah. to them, and you did the whole Matthew eighteen thing, and they were like, "Oh, I don't know," they have to then admit that they're just not interested. I think so. They have to be like, "I'm not. I'm not going back." Yes. Yeah, if someone's like, oh, I like the music there better, I'm just there. You're like, well, well, that stinks, but you're still a Christian. Right. They have to, I don't know, what's their responsibility? Do they have to, like, tell you, I'm not, I don't believe this? I think so, yeah. I think they have to be like, I don't want to come back. I'm not going to. So... Yeah, and I think that we need to like see how serious that those things are. You know, when people fall away for whatever reason, it's like, did they get distracted by the things of this world? Jesus told us that will happen. Um, so, are they, or are they like going to the Anchorage Baptist Temple because they? want their pastors to wear a suit instead, you know? Yeah, they're very different problems, you know? And you have to talk to them to find out. You gotta talk to them to find out, yeah. And I think that we don't want to talk to them to find out because it's scary, because we know what might actually be going on, you know? It's like you find the lump and then don't want to get it checked out. Yeah. Um, and so there's lots of reasons that people go away, and if you just take it at face value, you're missing a lot most of the time. Yeah. It, so it's crazy, yeah, because people will have bad experiences in church and then leave. And I don't mean they don't like your sermons. I mean bad experiences. Oh, yeah, I know. But then on the other hand, like, I know people who have had horrific experiences in church. Exactly. Exactly. But don't leave. And you're like, well, what's going on here? I thought that, like, but, you know, it's like, uh, I could supposedly drive people away if I have a beard or don't. Right. Well, I don't know what to do about that, but, well, I was a crazy thing, but, well, the, about the, uh, clergy abuse in the Roman Catholic Church, the crazy thing about that is that, like, a lot of those people are still there. A lot of them have left. But you find, like, very faithful Catholics who were molested by their priests who are still there and who still, like, love the church and love Jesus. And you're like, well, that, that's how you know this stuff is real, too, right? Is that, like, you can, you can bring people to the gates of hell and 
they suffer and they still don't leave. And you're like, well, what, what exactly do you have to do to make these people leave? You can't. You know, oh, they're just the elect. That's how it works. Don't you love that when Jesus says that? Like, oh, well, you know, they're going to come. They're going to try and lead you astray, the elect, even if that were possible. Because it's not. Oh, but that's why I always think about this kind of thing. I think about the many people that I've had contact with who are suffering in that way. And if we just blindly let them go and forget it, we're missing an opportunity to share the love of Christ in a way it should have been for them all along. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah, we want, I know, yeah, you're missing these opportunities. I mean, it's almost like a. It's like a doctor going to some village in Africa with like people with diseases and then just like passing by all of them. Yeah. You know, it's like. Well, then they think that if they just quit going to church and no one says anything, they're like, oh, well, that wasn't important anyway. Yeah. Right. I didn't, I didn't matter anyways, yeah. did I? This actually wasn't important. No one even said anything to me. No one, I just yeah. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't hurt their heart to think that somebody that came here and they just sort of disappeared and they just disappeared. We don't even bother to call them up and say, are you, are you guys okay? Is there anything we can do? Or like me knowing right now sitting here of people that I'm not calling. Yep. Well, there's a task for this afternoon. There's something that to call those people. Yeah. But again, it's hard, and I think the scary thing is, again, it's like, I found the lump, what is it? Yeah. So. Ignore it. <laughs> yeah. So, if you ignore it, then it might be nothing, or it might kill you, like, you don't know. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, this has many, or it, it's all over in in the Book of Concord. Several citations there. So people who are uh, guilty of public offenses, public obstinate sinners whose crimes are public knowledge, those guilty of manifest crimes. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So there is something here, isn't there, about the uh, the public nature of the sins or the crimes or whatever. So if you have someone in a church who like gets caught murdering someone, um, you're like, well, are you interested in repentance? And they say, well, no, that guy deserved it. And you're like, well, we probably have to excommunicate you. you know? um, but we do go like to people intending on forgiving them too. You know, that's what we want. We want to go and forgive people. That's good for you, and it's good for them. Um, excommunication is the result of the refusal to repent and the denial of the forgiveness of sins that Jesus has won on the cross and offers and reveals in the proclaimed gospel and sacraments. So, here's the deal. If you say uh, that, something that something is not a sin, you're also closing the door on forgiveness then, okay? Because if something's a sin, I don't need to be forgiven for it. So, and this is what's so scary to me about 
all these churches that are just declaring that things aren't sins anymore, you know? We've got children being hanged downstairs. They're excommunicating each other down there. I, you know what? I'm not down there. As long as there's no stitches needed, it's like, well... Yeah. But, um, no, it, it's... Uh, I forget what I was going to say. But, yeah. So, there are all these churches around that are declaring that things aren't sins anymore. I mean, mostly sexual sins. So, how we deal with people who are, you know, homosexual or whatever, is one thing, but then just to say, like, well, that stuff is all, it's all not, it's not sinful anymore. Like, well, so now you're cutting off those people from receiving forgiveness, too. Okay? Well, that's bad. Is there a place for LGBTQIA people in our church? Well, yes. Is that that we welcome this and celebrate it? Well, no. Uh, We want to forgive those sins, too. So, um, I have sins, you have sins. Like, the correct shunning is... Shunning is not really the right thing to do with any of this stuff, okay? So, uh, we're not going to, like, just turn our back on you. And that's the thing about the excommunication. You see how um, intentional it is. And it's not something where you, you just... You're not going to get accidentally excommunicated from your church, okay? Um, yeah, we want to. We want you to be forgiven. Jesus wants to forgive you. He loves you, and and so that's what here we're here for. So, all right. Then the next paragraph: the person's contrition, and this is interesting. The person's contrition or promise to amend his or her sinful life does not restore him or her to participation in the life of the church. The I want to do better, I'm sorry, that's not what brings you back. The spoken word of absolution flowing from Christ's death on the cross is the key that releases a person from the excommunication. So it's only the word of God that brings you back in. And this is the way that your salvation worked in the first place anyways, right? Well, we didn't let you in because you said, I really, really want to get in. And if it doesn't even matter how bad you want in or not. Like, it's the word of God that actually brings you in. Remember the story of the ten virgins? They're like, Lord, Lord, hey, come on. He's like, I don't know you. I don't know you. So he's the one who opens the door, all right? He's the one that brings you back in. Um... The absolved and restored brother or sister, together with all the members of the congregation, will be exhorted to live with each other according to the admission of the Apostle Paul. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bless you. It's... Yeah, I, I, and this would be such a challenging thing to do for a church, wouldn't it? Because, I mean, just imagining, you know, what would, how this works, and someone is caught in some horrible public sin and then actually repents for it and you bring them back. I mean, and 
the temptation towards gossip would always be there, right? Or to know that that person there was like, oh, well, you know, you know who they really are, right? Uh, but that's not what we do in the church, you know. I guess I have been, uh, I've been surprised by people's mercy and grace every once in a while, you know. When someone's caught in an actual sin, we can be very forgiving. You know, it's the little things I think that drive us crazy. But the like huge sins, we're like, well, ugh, gross. You know? So. Well, the older you get to, the more you realize how deeply mired in sin you are, even in the sin of gossip, which is actually spoken about many times in the scripture. <laughs> Yes, but it's just it's just talking. Exactly. Yeah, it's never just talking. So Yeah. But that's the thing there, right? That other part. Mm-hmm. Keep watch on yourself. You don't start thinking that this isn't um that forgiveness isn't for you too. Uh every single one of us here like we're all every single one of us is only here because we're forgiven sinners. And yes, the church is full of hypocrites who do terrible, nasty things. Of course it is. Uh, and we are, we are sorry for those things and we rejoice in the forgiveness that is given to us by Jesus. So, All right, you want to see the... Uh, any other questions? Do you have questions about excommunication? Can be... Well, that's why the elders are there, because we want to... They're like the formalized thing, where you're like, okay, we have taken this... So these two people have talked to each other, okay? And then that person who's been sinned against took a couple other people then, and then we take it to the board of elders. So that's like, you know, the formalized... You got a couple other steps there first before you take it to the elders. So, you know someone sins against you, don't go blabbing to your elder. You should, you gotta, like, talk to that person. That's the elder's job, and your job, too, as a Christian. If you find out that someone has a problem with you, or whatever, like, or someone, if, you, if someone talks to you about some sin, what's the, what is the proper thing to say? Well, have you talked to that person about that? Have you talked to them about that? And if the answer is no, then you have nothing to do with it. Not your problem. Yeah. Have you talked to them about that? Just what Jesus says to do. Or else it gets built up and and Right, well the first question is did you talk to them? If the answer is no, then then you have to like actually go talk to them on your own. You know. But if you're uncomfortable, you should, I think it gives you an opportunity to take something with you. Yeah, well you gotta talk to them. Yeah. Or today you can just call them, and then like, you know, so. Um. Yeah. All right. So restoration. Then I like the little icons on here. I don't know who like did these, but they're kind of cool. 
So I had excommunication, we put the keys on there, we're, all, we're using the binding key, but then on this one it's, oh, what's on the restoration one? Oh, the three nails. Three nails. Yeah, he did have three. Oh, yes. Five wounds, three nails. The Romans were very efficient, you know. Uh, <laughs> Although, there were probably four nails, because they probably nail you through the side of your ankle. At least the one crucifixion victim that we've found, we've only found one, you know. Uh, but his nail was still in his bone. It, it, it must have hit a knot in the wood and like curled so they couldn't pull it out. They reused the nails for, for crucifixion. Yeah. How about that? Getting onto a reused bloody cross with reused nails. At that point, you're not worried about tetanus. Yeah. You're like, I've had my tetanus shot. I'll be fine. But then it's, uh, yeah, so they nail you through like their ankle on either side of the cross, probably. So normally what we think is that your feet are like crossed over and they just do one through there. But again, that's just from the one, one uh, crucified body that we found. Only one. It's amazing. Because normally they just throw you in a garbage dump, you know. Huh? I have done a lot of reading and gone to the shroud church. Oh. And the ankles were crossed and they were, so one of them would have been looking through the side. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're very efficient. Okay. Um, yeah. So, would you see the Orthodox cross, and it has three bars on it? So, there's the normal one, like what we have, and there's a one above it, which is the titulus, the title, and then the there's one on the bottom that's slanted, and that's the footrest. So. I don't know how they came to like have that. I think it looks cooler than like ours, but the the, Lat the Latin cross just looks like a plus sign or a T, you know. But then the Orthodox one has some extra bits to it. The uh, the uh, let's see the the OCA, the Orthodox Church in America, the Russian Russian Orthodox Church, which is big here. Their bishop just died this week. So. I, yeah, he wasn't that old. Uh, Bishop David. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I'm always like tempted towards orthodoxy because they like look cool, cool hats, whatever, you know. But I'm really in it for the hats. Um, yeah. No, you got cool hats. Yeah. But then uh, it was actually talking to that bishop. I was like, oh no, actually, I, I am not orthodox. He was in a class that I was taking along with Marilyn um, at at uh, APU. Yeah, and talking to that bishop, he was like, "Like, oh, that's right, that's right. You guys don't actually like preach the gospel. You get cool hats, but this is the thing about all the other like denominations. Like a lot of them have cool hats and stuff, but they 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 like for they left the gospel out, and you're like, well." The hats won't do you any good if you don't have the gospel, you know? 
well, you can have both, you know. But anyways, it's, um, yeah, I guess it's, uh, I watched the funeral, though, for this guy. And they, he was, uh, like, laid out in the church in his vestments and like doing the whole entire thing and they're just all surrounding this guy and it's kind of weird I don't really understand all of it but they had something over his face and uh, but he's there and he's got his like hands up and like oh, well there's Bishop David he was in Pennsylvania he had gotten uh, like colon cancer or something it was pretty fast but um Oh, no, I don't. I also don't think I could be Orthodox because they don't have like Janet would be out of a job there. So you listen, you're like, well, where's the music? It's just it's kind of, all acapella chanting and just kind of. Ooh, 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 ooh. But there's cool things about them, but uh, at the end of the day, now many people have tried to reconcile the Eastern Orthodoxy and the Western Church too. It's actually something called the Finnish school of Lutheranism. But, um, yeah. But they wrote in German, so you don't have to learn Finnish to read it. But, yeah, they're, they're different. Um, so restoration. Now look at this. When does this take place? This is the first thing. Can you imagine? Uh, like, how joyful that might be. I get, I mean, I, I get joyful when someone's gone for a long time and then they come back, you know? You're like, oh, wow. This, hey, I didn't think I was going to ever see you again. Here you are. This is, this is amazing. So, um, and I think it's important for us to actually have these rites and have these sorts of things ritualized, um, so, yeah, it's, it's awesome. So, restoration to the Holy Christian Church. Again, not restoration to Zion Lutheran Church. To the Holy Christian Church. This is the church that we're confessing in the creed, you know. So, who's in charge of that? Well, Jesus. And how does he run it? Well, through his churches, through his pastors, right? That, that's, what, that's how this stuff is, is uh, accomplished. Uh, all right. The pastor stands at the place where he normally pronounces the absolution. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, Christ our Lord says in the Gospel according to St. Luke, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. And the funny thing about that story is that the ninety-nine persons who need no repentance don't exist. (laughs) Uh, You're the lost sheep. Um, You've been brought back. Uh, you are the pearl of great price. You've been, you've been bought. Uh, he's found you. I was lost, and now I'm found. I was blind, and now I see. Because, 
What name do you want to use here? Francis. Because Francis, having been under excommunication for... I don't know any real people named Francis. Has been under excommunication for a time. Has now, by the grace of God, come to repentance and has received the forgiveness of sins and the holy absolution. I joyfully announce that his excommunication is removed and that he is restored to the holy Christian church. He may once again share the Lord's Supper with us, serve as sponsor at holy baptism, and engage in all the rights and privileges of the church. I mean, and honestly, I kind of feel like this is how we should deal with people who, like, have been gone for a long time and then come back, rather than kind of passively, you know, let, oh, well, I'm still a member, even though I haven't been there in 19 years, you know, I'm still a member. Well, are you? Are you? I mean, I don't know any other organization in the world that would allow that. And then, like... We should rejoice in this. Be like, hey, look, these people actually turned it around. Uh, and what is it that, a, that allows you to acknowledge, to confess your sin and receive the absolution? They have come to this uh, by the grace of God. Right? The grace of God has brought them to repentance. If there's no grace of God, then there's no reason to repent. Well, what's the point of that? Um, I just go live my life and indulge my flesh in whatever passions I'm interested in. Eat, drink, be merry. Tomorrow we die, huh? Let's go for it. What song is this? I don't know this. Oh. Is that all there is? There's actually more. Yeah, it's really sad. I mean, that's not all there is. <laughs> I mean, there's actually like great satisfaction in the mortification of the flesh. It's very hard to do, but people who work out apparently tell me that like it's awesome, even though it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's terribly awesome. Yeah. Or I look at like you know my dad who is like runs these obnoxious uh, Ironman triathlons and marathons and stuff. It's like they they like that's what my dad said. was like he hates running in like uh, cold weather, but like he's been doing it. And it was like like for what? Because then he like does the triathlon and it's awesome, you know. Like, oh, maybe there's something to that. I think I think Paul talks about that, right? Uh, you have to like discipline your body. Ugh, ugh, that sounds terrible. That sounds awful. Uh, but it's worth it though. The the, the same it, the same thing goes with the rest of the Ten Commandments. By the way. I mean, I, I think I've told you this before, but the you know the Ten Commandments are never referred to as commandments in the Holy Scriptures. They're referred to as the Ten Words. The Ten Words, you know, the Ten Commandments. That sounds like oh, this is terrible. But the Ten Words, these are just the words that that Yahweh has spoken to us. Um, woo, you crazy down there. Um, 
I also hear Irene down there as well, so it's it's fine, you know. They'll all get COVID and drop dead in, in like five minutes anyways. Don't, don't tell the news. The massacre. Um, but yet this is the goal. This is the goal. We want to bring people back, right? Let us pray. We thank you, Father, that you have moved the heart of Francis to repent and receive Christ's forgiveness so that this son of yours who was lost is now found, who was dead is now alive again. Comfort him and be with him in all trial and temptation that he may continue steadfast in faith and godliness throughout his earthly life. Keep us all from the pride of thinking that we cannot fall and cause us to trust solely in the strength you give through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. So, isn't that a good prayer, too? Keep us all from the pride of thinking that we cannot fall. Uh, yeah, and that goes along with that Galatians thing, too. So, be careful with this stuff. Um, can happen to you. So, you know, whenever you see people caught in whatever sin, your first reaction is not, what a dummy, I'm better than they are. But the same thing that caused that person to do that thing, whatever it is, dwells inside of me too. So, uh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? It's not who will save you from this body of death. It's me. So take heed lest you fall. It's, it's serious. But this is the goal, though. We want people back. You know? um, yeah. I have... I've got an uncle who I know is... I don't know if they ever excommunicated him. But he joined, like, the Lions, or not the Lions, he joined the Elks Lodge, I think. And uh, in his church, I don't know if they excommunicated him, but he just went to an ELCA church instead, you know. I don't know. Like, I mean, is it really that important to, like, get the discount on whatever? Or are you okay with, like, the uh, oaths to false gods? I kind of think I'm not. Uh, even if it's for a discount on a thing, I, you know? I, I don't know, it's just... It always weirds me out, too. The, you know the, um, the Freemasons like are always giving out scholarships and stuff? Like, the Shriners? Like, that seems a little icky to me, I don't know. So I, I wish that like the church would do that. You know, I wish that like we would give out bigger scholarships than the Freemasons do. So I mean, why do the Shriners and the Freemasons have to like work hard to make people think that they're not weird? Because they're weird, yeah. Because they use all these like satanic images, and then you're like, well, that looks satanic. But yeah, we got hospitals though. Like, oh, okay, well, it's not that bad, you know. Um, cool little motorcycles I know cool little cars the hats I know I think all that stuff is kind of funny because they're all just they're making fun of Muslims you know 
which like you couldn't have started the Freemasons today, you know. I mean, that's what all that stuff is. It's it's just like making fun of Muslims. You're like, hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Same thing with the Mormons too. You know, it's like every once in a while they'll have these like ad campaigns where they're like, "I'm a normal guy and I'm a Mormon." And you're like, "All right, well." We don't have, like, commercials for, like, Lutheranism, like, going around where they're like, well, you see all the good things that we do? And we're Lutheran. You're know, like, well, yeah, it's just because, like, we're normal, and we, we actually uh, made a name for ourselves by, like, having uh, things like uh, printed music. That the, the rest of the world has come to really enjoy the things that we've contributed to society, you know? So... Uh, oh, we don't have a tabernacle choir. Don't have a tabernacle choir. I know. Well, you could probably make an accordion. It's pretty good. So you could probably you know, expand that. But why is the tabernacle choir known more than like any other choir? Uh, because it's, they broadcast all over the world. Uh, the TV shows. And the... So yeah, yesterday we were looking at this Mormon hymn, hymnal. And there are lots and lots of songs in there where you're like, oh, that's right, it's not a... Yeah. It, this is a very different thing, isn't it? So, but they're so nice. <laughs> oh, For that one, I think the one we're looking at was the 40s, sometimes in the 40s. I have, I have their latest one. And they left out a lot of those hymns from the current hymn books. Oh. They've left out a lot of the distinctly Mormon hymns? And they put in more of the hymns that are well-known Yeah. I mean, the what this one I found yesterday was like uh, talking about like oh Jesus it was it was called like the man who communed with God it was about Jesus and he he's where he is now with all the gods and there we will too be someday and you're like okay well I should try and like I won't do this but I should try and like slip one of those in there here someday and see if anyone notices. I know. You won't allow it. It would be the first one to say, pardon me, can you pull up? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be kind of fun to see if everyone's just like, well, if, that, if I could hide to collab one yesterday. It's like the Mormons will tell you they don't believe in collab. It's a star that like God lives behind. It's a weird thing. They don't ever talk about it. If you ask one of the missionaries about it, they're like, I've never heard of that. Yeah. So, but if they're actually Christians, why on earth are they trying to convert us? I'm going around trying to convert Baptists or Catholics. You know? So, um, well, again, that is the that's that's how you get rid of people and bring them back. So, it's. Serious stuff. Um, it's like maybe people need to be confronted with like how serious it is when you just vanish. Because this isn't a club. So. so in some areas, how much time do you 
Yeah. I'm also getting this party lifestyle. And my, one of my uncles has become a complete atheist, but they have never been excommunicated. Well, they should be. Right? So why does... We should do that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I remember talking about it very much. We're more concerned about how to get people in right. at any cost. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we should. I think we should do this more. Because like, it is scary. Because your uncle probably didn't. The first day he didn't go to church, he wasn't probably like, I don't do that stuff anymore. He's like, ah, well, I just, uh, I'd rather go to brunch or something. I don't know, whatever. It, but it does, like, build up, and eventually you don't know what this is anymore. It's scary. Like, when you spend a lot of time away from the church, what you lose. I mean, if you ever talk to, like, the kind of, if you ever talk to people who don't come to church and about any spiritual thing and it's all just like what what I think about anything and it's uh it's it's frightening. They have a well, and I don't know that the people who stay away and say they have a personal relationship, I can read my Bible. I don't think that they're actually reading their Bible. Cuz if they did, they would see that like they're actually supposed to like yeah, come here and like actually uh, hear the preaching of the word and receive the sacraments. And just my guess, you know. I'm spiritual, but not religious. Yeah, I, I'd rather someone just like yeah, I don't know. I just kind of make it up. Whatever makes you feel good. Well, and are we doing people a disservice by not I think so. I don't think so. I don't think they realize how serious it is. And and again, like we're too like maybe we're just too scared to deal with it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. The excommunication is not meant to be a permanent thing either, right? We're not, we're not kicking you out. Like, we're not, we're not locking you out of here. No, that's not the purpose at all. So it's not mean. It's actually loving. So, yeah. But it's hard. But we're afraid that by us being stronger in that, we'll push them away when in fact they've already pushed themselves away. Right. Why are we worried about pushing people away who have already, like, left? Well, yeah. Maybe that's the last, the last opportunity to say, hey, no, this actually does matter, and we want you here, but until you make that change. 
Yeah. Well, and, and I will say too that like this is not primarily be about people who just like kind of fallen away. It's about people who are like engaged in open and unrepentant and obstinate sin. Okay. Which yes, like not observing the Sabbath day by like absenting yourself from church for two hundred years is indeed one of those things, right? I mean, I think we're mostly talking. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's probably like you probably know it when you see it. That's an excommunicationable excommunicatable thing you know so i mean the good news is that like most people i know here are like yeah i should do better i need to be forgiven <laughs> you're like oh great because that's like what we do Yeah, and even if it's not something that you can't, if it's, even if you like have some sin that you cannot even bring yourself to voice audibly to another human being, you know, like you're still bringing this here. And that's, like, that's what this is for, you know. And you should go to private commute, or private absolution as well, you know. You should do that if you have something that's like, you can't get rid of it, you know, because we'll take it away and it'll be wonderful, you know. Well, well, we'll we'll take some burdens off you, and it's it's really good for you. So, um, yes. Any anything else with excommunication? Again, it's out of love. Be careful. You can fall too. So, but when you do fall, and we come after you, and ask you to repent, remember, you're like, oh wait, this is because they love me. Yeah. It, and I don't know a single person who's been like removed from the roles of a church who says like, oh, well, they love me. <laughs> I haven't been there in five years and they just took my name off. They don't care. They're mean. You know? That's normally what happens. Never going back there. But I mean, they weren't anyways. <laughs> They were, yeah, they weren't anyways. And so, I mean, in truth is, and if they don't go to another church and they lost their faith, they ultimately are not going to be alive. Well, we'll leave that up to Jesus on the last day. Let's say your baptism is very hard to get rid of. Yeah. Exactly. Amen. <laughs> Someone asked, well, you know, about the praying for people by the first names thing. And uh, you pray for the people with their baptized names. And they asked what I'd do with, with Hitler, even though he clearly does not give a rip about his baptism. I'd still pray for Adolf, you know. Well, that's the name the Lord knows him by. Uh, that's the name the Lord gave him in baptism. You know, you can get rid of it eventually. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? 
No, I'd have to look at it. But, um, yeah, you know, we say that uh, David David actually uh, voided his salvation um, with the whole Bathsheba thing. Yeah, so he was actually, like, out during that whole thing. But, hey, look at that. Oh, yeah, he's damned. But but what does it take to get him back? Yeah. Well, Nathan, you know, he has he has someone that loves him. Yeah, who God Himself has appointed to actually like go to him and say, "Hey, uh, right." So I clearly see that you don't get this. You know, you. David just thought it was fine to kill a dude, abuse his authority, and then like take that guy's wife. Like, oh. Although it's not that hard to imagine now, is it? Like, I've been thinking of all the. No, but again, you talk about attrition of time, and you get in this position of power, and we all have these positions of power in our life, whether they are nationwide or in our homes. Yeah, David did not just like do that overnight, did he? There was a growth there to that. And he gets to the point where he's like, you just are dug into the pit yeah so yeah we we all want to like uh, be able to sing psalm 51 together you know uh sacrifices god desires broken heart oh yeah hey my heart's broken how about that well good you're in the right place so uh oh we're over time um this like pillar for some reason you know, I'm thankful we don't have a clock in the back of the church. That's always a bad sign. Um, but I could use, like, I could stand in a different place. Um, but. Yeah. A gong. No, we're going to get Jason. Fine. So, yeah, it's scary. I mean, this, this like, kind of group home and everything is, you know, everything's, so. So did you have a member who was in Washington? Okay. Yes. You'll, you'll meet him soon. Getting to be about 12 o'clock. Getting to be 12 o'clock? Yep. Yes, it is. Thank you very much. So, well, um, let us pray. Lord, we know that you have called us into this congregation, um, into this communion, into your church. And uh, we pray for all those who are kind of on our hearts and in our heads who have fallen away um, for whatever reason, that um, uh, you would give us courage and strength to, to speak with them and try to bring them back um, we know that you do indeed uh, go seek the one sheep who is who's lost. We give thanks that we too have been brought back into this church uh, time and time again, uh, and that we rejoice in your forgiveness here. We pray that all would come to rejoice in your mercy and your forgiveness, especially around this uh, table, uh, around this great feast. Uh, we pray for all those who have uh, lost their way, 
um, and pray that you would preserve us as well. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks, everyone.